Well, what are you battling with at the moment? It'll be different for each and every one of us. Could be anxiety, could be loneliness, it could be fear of the future, it could be a financial concern that you're, that you're worried about or feeling that you're battling with. It could be relationship battles. Uh, you may have had uh, hubby home for the last uh, however long and, and uh, children under your feet and it could be getting a little stressful and you feel that's a big battle for me. Of course, it could be financial and job related as so many people are in uncertain times. All of these battles are rightly covered by our current media. Yet there's one battle that the current media will never cover and that is the battle that we have as God's people against the kingdom of darkness, against Satan itself, himself. It's not a battle that we have with flesh and blood as Ephesians 6 verse 13 says but it's a real battle against evil. And the very grace that has brought us into loving relationship with God has also brought us into a collision course with the enemy. Now as we come to look at Ephesians chapter 6 and the battle that we're in, one thing that we do need to understand right up front is that Jesus has actually already won this battle. In his death on the cross, he's disarmed the spiritual forces of evil, triumphing over them. And through his resurrection from the dead, he assures us of the new life that we can now have in Jesus. He's smashed death and brought life and immortality to light. Jesus is the conquering king and has delivered a mortal blow to Satan. But Satan on the way down and the kingdom of darkness is still thrashing about. His aim is to take us out. It's a little bit like Harry Potter in the Basilisk. I don't know if you've uh, read any of the books uh, or seen the movies, as indeed uh, I have. Um, I'm sorry, I haven't actually read all the books, but the Basilisk is just some sort of fearsome snake-like creature with, with uh, you know, pretty gruesome sort of looks. And Harry Potter delivers a mortal blow to him, but on the way down, the Basilisk is going backwards and forwards, and you don't want to get underneath him. You don't want to pretend that he's not there. The battle, in a sense, has been won, but it's still time of danger. And friends, if you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, we live not in a playground, but we live in a battleground. There's three brief things that I want to explore today in Ephesians chapter 6. Firstly, being strong in God's strength. Secondly, standing firm in God's armour. And finally, praying constantly in God's spirit. Firstly, being strong in God's strength. We're strong not in our own strength or in our own knowledge or in our own capacity nor in our own ability. We stand in Christ, in his strength, strengthened by the Lord and by his mighty power, his grace which is sufficient for each day. And we need his strength because although the enemy is defeated and on the way down, his plan is to remove us, to take us away from God's kingdom. His plan is to cause us to doubt God's goodness, to doubt God's presence, to doubt God's salvation, to doubt God's future for us in whatever tricky, cunning, crafty, scheming, underhanded, devious way that he can, as verse 13 says. But friends, we stand not in our own strength, but in the strength that God supplies. And what a great comfort this is. You know, uh, you, if you're anything like me, you know, I often feel weak, tired, uh, helpless, 
and inadequate. And, and yet the Lord gives us his strength and his grace each day so that we can look to him and say, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in my life. Thank you, Lord, for your help in this. I love the old hymn, We Rest on Thee, Our Shield and Our Defender, uh, written by a lady, Edith Cherry, in 1890s. And in the third verse there, she says, We go in faith our own great weakness feeling and needing more and more each day his grace to know. What a lovely word and what lovely comfort it is to know that we are not to stand in our own strength, capacity, ability or knowledge. Friends, if we are in Christ, he is in us. And we're not alone in the battle. So take hold of him. Take hold of his strength. Take hold of his grace. Trust him. We're to be strong in his strength. Secondly, we are to stand firm in God's armour. Again, this is his armour that we're to stand firm in. It's his truth his righteousness, his gospel of peace, his provision, his salvation, his word. And all of these to be applied, taken on to ourselves, held on to in prayerful dependence upon the one who is giving all of these things to us. Each piece put on with prayer, as the old hymn says. So we're to stand firm with a belt of truth buckled around our waist. Uh, the Roman soldiers, actually Paul was uh, in, in prison at this time, he writes this in Ephesians 6, and he's probably looked around and gone, oh, there's a couple of Roman soldiers there, he sees their belt, he sees their breastplate, he sees their helmet, he sees their other arm, he sees their sword, and he applies them to us. And we do well to take hold of them and to put them on. The, the belt of truth around our waist. Now the belt was used by the Roman soldiers to keep everything in place so that they could manoeuvre easily and quickly in battle. Uh, now, there was a bit of a fashion a few years ago, I don't really know where it started, where people wore pants without belts and uh, their, their pants top was sort of around halfway down their backside. I don't know if you've ever seen these. And their, the crutch of their pants was down near their jeans and they'd have their mobile phone in the one hand and they'd be hitching up their dacks in the other. And there was no way in the world that you could move easily. I have no idea actually when that came into fashion. But I know when it went out of fashion, or should have gone out of fashion, when the mirror was invented. That's when it should have gone out of fashion. I don't know what they were thinking of. But we, friends, have this belt of truth. Now, they would have understood the word of truth because that is what they believed when they first came to Christ. That's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. This word which included them. Which, this word which built them, this word which unified them as Jew and Gentile, which were otherwise warring uh, people. This truth unified them and this truth grew them to maturity. It was the word of truth, the gospel. And it's the word of the truth that we need to have us uh, around us holding everything together, uh, as it were, in the battle. So let me ask, are you growing in appreciation for all of the spiritual blessings that you have in Christ Jesus for the adoption and the forgiveness for the for the fact that God has chosen you if you are in Christ that he has raised you up from being dead in your transgressions and sins to being seated in the in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus are we growing in these great gospel truths because if we're not growing in appreciation for the great gospel truths then we will not be in the best position to stand firm when the battle starts to rage 
So not only do we have the security of the belt of truth to be in place, but we are to have the breastplate of righteousness in place. Uh, the breastplate for the Roman soldier guarded the essential organs, if you like. Um, and and in, indeed, I don't want to push the analogy too much, indeed it's the same with us. We are shielded by the righteousness not of ourselves, but that of Jesus Christ. Because the blows of the enemy, the daggers, the swords, the darts and the arrows will be flying, causing us, as the song says, to, to be tempted to despair, as Satan tells us, of the guilt within. And we need to look up and see Christ there who made an end to all of our sin. Friends, if you are in Christ, you are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Whatever past regrets that you are being plagued with, with whatever past sins that you're ashamed of, you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Whatever present wretchedness or troubles or failures that you might be struggling with, you're clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. Whatever guilt you might be feeling even this day, if you've come to Christ, if you've asked him to forgive you, his blood has cleansed you. His righteousness surrounds you. And we are to put it on. And so we come, not trusting in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus. And also having the breastplate of righteousness is a reminder to us that we also need to be showing that righteous life that we now have in Jesus Christ. And so to the footwear... The footwear, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The peace of God that we have through Jesus. The peace that we have with each other because of Jesus. And this peace that we've received, that has united us to God and united us to each other, is the same peace, the same message of reconciliation that we go to a world that so desperately needs it. Friends, God has given us his armour, not that we would sort of shine it up, sit down and looking good. He's given us his armour that we would go into the battle. And we go into the battle with feet that are ready to both know, love, live and share the gospel of peace. So do you have your footwear on? Are you ready to cross that room to share the good news of Jesus with others? Do you know what to say? Uh, do you have maybe your story figured out in your own mind as to how God has moved and worked in your own life? We can be sure that if it is God's intent that we would go with feet that are ready to take the good news to others, that our enemy is going to try and stop us. And so we come to the shield of faith, that which uh, was probably the size of a small kitchen cupboard door uh, that was there to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one and again it's the shield of faith it is looking away from my achievements my ability my strength to that which God supplies so when the fiery darts come through doubt and through disobedience possibly through apathy or even outward rebellion or lust or greed or hatred or a multitude of other things that come our way. We need to have this shield ready to deflect those darts. 
We'll be tempted on the one hand to think, well, hey, I can sin, I can live it up. Life is to be found over here doing this. It's not going to hurt anyone. We're consenting adults. And a thousand other lies that the, that the enemy will throw our way. But we need to take that shield of faith and say, no, I'm going to trust the Lord in this. He has spoken on this issue. I need to trust him. And take it on with prayer. Please help me, Lord, in this situation. Or on the other hand, we might be tempted to despair, to think that in the present frailty and uncertainty that God has left you or has forgotten you or has given up on you. And we need to take that shield of faith when the enemy throws these sorts of darts at us and say, no, I'm trusting in the Lord. He has promised to be with me. He has promised to never leave me nor forsake me, as the book of Hebrews tells us. We need to understand and to take hold of his sovereignty, his goodness, his love, his plan, his purpose, and all with the future in mind, all things under Christ who is our head in the new creation where there will be no pain, sickness, frailty, fear or death. And we're to take the helmet of salvation, verse 17, protecting, if you like, our minds, our thinking. And we all need this when the battle arises. We'll need to understand that God has chosen and predestined and adopted and redeemed and forgiven and has brought us near and we've been shown the plans of our eternal glorious future in Christ Jesus. We need to take that salvation, hold on to it, have it ruling our thinking and guarding our thinking. For we can be sure if it's the God's intention <laughs> that we would be adopted as his children, saved, having the helmet of salvation, then we can be sure that the enemy will be trying to remove that assurance at every step. Well, the final battle image that we have here is not armour to be put on, but a weapon to be used. And it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, second half of verse 17. The weapon is called the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God because the Spirit actually authored the Word of God, the Bible, that we would use it when tempted and trust it when tried. So friends, how are you going at understanding the word of God in greater depth? Understanding God in greater depth. Actually, that's what Paul uh, prayed for in the early chapter of Ephesians, that, that they would have a spirit of wisdom and understanding that they would know God better. Because the call for us is to, to continue to grow and mature as Christians. Are we growing in God's word? Are you in a growth group? Are you meeting up with somebody else to read the Bible? Are you reading it for yourself? Are you reading it with your family? Good thing to take the Bible out and read a Bible verse before you give thanks over dinner each night. That'd be a good start. And there's plenty of other things. I don't have to tell you all of them. But are we getting the Word of God and having it dwelling richly in our lives? Is it easy? Is it easy to get up and read the Bible? No, of course not. Absolutely not, because we're in a battle. We've got to remember that. And finally, we are to pray constantly in God's spirit, verses 18 to 20. Now, praying in the spirit is not some sort of fancy or weird way of praying or you need to go on a special retreat for six days to find out how to do it. No, it's basically just saying praying, talking to God in keeping with the spirit of God, in line with the spirit of God, 
in line with the word of God that the Spirit authored. It is prayer in keeping and in line with God's will, God's character and God's purposes. It is praying, if you like, your kingdom come, your will be done. And it's praying constantly on all occasions, in all situations. We are in a battle. Don't let up. The enemy won't. And it's everywhere and anywhere type of prayer with all kinds of prayers and requests. The Lord loves to hear from you. The Lord loves to hear from me. The Lord loves it when we come to him in humble dependence, asking him for that which we need. And maybe it would be good for us as we catch up with each other to pray for each other. That's what verse 18 reminds us. Be alert, we're in a battle, keep on praying for each other, for all of God's people. And Paul knows that he's in a battle, as indeed we all are, so he asks them to pray for him. He's in prison, as he says in verse 20, but he asks that they would pray not for an open prison door, which is probably what we would be tempted to do, but he prays for open doors of opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with others and that he would proclaim it fearlessly, fearlessly, as he should. It was the reason that he was in prison and yet he's praying for even more strength to proclaim it. We need, friends, consistent, continued, persistent prayer depending humbly upon the Lord. Friends, it was almost one year ago that my brother was taken home to be with Jesus. He was weak in body, but he was strong in Jesus. He was uncertain of how he would feel each day as he got up, but he was assured of his future. His work boots, which I think he wore every day of his life, were in the laundry. He couldn't put them on anymore. But he had his feet fitted with a readiness to go with the gospel of peace because he shared Jesus with people that came to visit him, including the palliative care team. He was ready. And he could not move from his house, he could not get out of his bed, but he stood firm in Christ. He had his armour on. He humbly depended upon the Lord in prayer. Are you?